Welcome to another episode of Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon, your host. Today I'm having my first interview. It's the first time I'm interviewing someone at a Uganda and that. I hope you're Uganda. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so today I'm here with Malcolm Pichemano. Yeah, that's I've great. <laughs> Good, I've said it. You practice right. a bit? No. No, you didn't ask at anyone? All. I didn't even ask. There's so many ways that can go wrong and it has. And I. <laughs> I'm a uh, first Ugandan filmmaker. I'm really excited because for the last, I think, three podcasts now, we've had international films and I needed something pure from here. The real good. Malcolm has made three short films so far. Definitely more. The only three short films that I'm not embarrassed to show people. That's wrong. That's, That's almost how everyone talks about their film work, I think. Most people have worked on a bunch of... Because I consider even any like commercial work is a film. Like, I haven't done any music videos, but I'd consider those films as well. And class assignments where I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so there's been a lot of films, but the only three that I'm like, yeah. You're happy to show? Yeah. Okay, fine. Today we're acknowledging the three you're happy to show. Yes. I hope you talk a bit about the ones you're embarrassed to show. 100%. So the, the, to- the three are Taj Mahal Halal. Yes. Pregnant Woman Stabs Husband Dead. Yes. And Jethro by Jethro. Jethro by Jethro, yeah. Have I said them in one. the order they were released? That's, yeah, that's correct. Taj Mahal Halal was 2014. Uh-huh. Pregnant Woman Stabs Husband Dead 2015. Jethro by Jethro 2016. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. I watched them all twice. Really? What? <laughs> yeah, I now. You didn't have to, but I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to. So, Malcolm, I'm curious because I've heard about you before. Okay. Plenty. Most people in the film community know about you. What? Yeah, you're a big deal. What? <laughs> Get out. Stop. So, and I have no idea about you your story, anything. I like this. So I can lie to you and you would have no idea. No lies. If you lie, (laughs) (laughs) So I want to start from the beginning. When did you fall in love with film at that point? I think I enjoyed enjoyed films and I enjoyed going to the cinema Uh and I enjoyed the experience of it. Uh But it only clicked that people make these things and put thought into every decision that makes the thing the thing Uh when... um, Al Jazeera for a while was running, a, I forget the name of the series, but it was about films, filmmakers and international films. And I saw these different filmmakers from around the world talking about their things. But Martin Scorsese comes on for one of the editions and he's talking Sweet. about Goodfellas. I know this is a kind of a, people will probably say this, but he talked about Goodfellas and I'd seen Goodfellas in passing a couple of times on East Africa TV's like Sunday night, Sunday night movie thing that they used to do. And I'd seen Goodfellas, I used to show it a couple of times, and I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I never thought about it in detail in terms of how it came across. And he talks about the opening scene and how you see, um, I forget the actor's name, I forget the actor, but he's the main character, and he, um, him and Robert De Niro's character and Joe Pesci's character, they stop the car, standing behind the boot, they hear banging coming from inside of the boot, and then they pop the trunk, and this red light is just bathing all over them because it's the brake lights, right? The brake lights for the car, because they're standing behind it, it's just bathing them in redness. And then they open up the trunk and they kill the guy some more because he wasn't dead properly. And then there's a freeze frame, and the main character goes, the voiceover is, yeah, ever since I was a, uh, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a gangster. Yeah. Not, not, not. 
As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And I'd seen that probably five, six times, but I'd never thought about how it was composed and put together. And Scorsese is talking about just the little things that he did, the decisions, creative decisions that it took to make that happen. And I was amazed. <laughs> Everything from the camera movement to the music that was happening to the use of sound of the voiceover and the freeze frame. and I'd always taken that for granted mm. when I realized people have to think about that. They have to like decide mm. where, what goes. That was the moment that I was like, this is what I want. That's oh. what I want to do. Sweet. That's cool. So did you study film? I did at some point. At what point? Um, at, in university. At university. I majored in film and media studies. Where did you study? University? At the University of Cape Town. Cape so you, you majored in what? Film and media studies. That was my major. Ah, oh, that was cool. Yeah. So you will... What were you learning there? Do they make studies? you an all-rounder or do they teach you specific... They make you an all-rounder in screenwriting and so editing and... So at first it's just film and media studies, right? And uh -huh. that's just a very general thing. First yeah, years, yeah. you do everything. So first you do like a film studies thing in the first semester, uh -huh. then media studies in the second semester. Uh -huh. It's all theoretical stuff. It's all... Theory. It's all theory. In first year, it's all theory, and it's all mm -hmm. what does the media mean, what does film mean, how do representations Would of people... Would you watch some films and analyze? 100%, yeah, and that's, that's, that's what they're teaching okay. you as well, you know? What films did you watch? What's the best film you watched in school? Oh man, in school? Uh, the film I remember being most excited about, uh, at least that gave me so much life, uh, was... Ah, it's a very, it's um, okay. Do the Right Thing, to be honest. <laughs> nice. We studied Do the Right Thing and... <clears throat> It's also around the time that I was kind of trying to figure out kind of racial politics and whatnot in uh -huh. South Africa because I never had to really deal with them all that much in Uganda. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, Do the Right Thing was just so full of energy and just so cool. And I enjoyed reading about it, reading what people at the time were saying about it, what scholars have gone on to say about it over, over the years. And getting to know it on that deeper level, the level of what it means and how it reflects society, mm -hmm. what effect it has on society and how society affects it. And that's what first year was pretty much was just understanding what symbols and images and angles and what and all that stuff means to society and how society affects it and how that loop works pretty much. Great. Was Taj Mahal Halal one of the ones you did in South Africa? It was. Because I could tell the characters were South Africa. Hundred percent. It was my graduation film. It was nice. a film where it was it was my it was my version of how people do like a thesis and they like mm. do like a research project and what it was literally called the stu the I think the student research project SRP mm. and your our thing was you have to make a movie. Oh, Twenty six. <laughs> I know you wouldn't pick up if he was home. <laughs> no, cause you're too pretty to be sleeping alone. Is that Gatsby ready? Of course, baby, I'm always ready for you. Get off the fucking phone. No, I only get off in an hour. Then maybe I can get you off. By that story, I liked it. It, um... So, a couple of things that, that stood out for me were, first, the, the shop, right? Taj Mahal was this particular kind of shop that I 
had never necessarily seen before, but it was very much a feature of Cape Town where it's a smaller, it's a smaller, smaller scale operation than like a ShopRite <laughs> or like a Checkers or like a Pick and Pay. It's smaller, right? Yeah. But it's also usually many times they were run by immigrants, by mm-hmm. either Indian immigrants. Sometimes in some neighborhoods there were colored family people who, who ran them. They had um, usually had this very iconic Coca Cola. Coca-Cola like signage, right? So there's lots of red going on and all the signs are like in a Coca-Cola thing with the swoosh, you know Coca-Cola swoosh going around. Mm-hmm. The very like iconic things about it that you'd find almost everywhere. And they had a food section. That was the coolest <laughs> thing about them. That was random. They had a food section. Yeah. You'd go in and you could okay, you're buying toothpaste and stuff, but you can also buy a sandwich. Yeah. And they had this really iconic sandwich called the Gatsby, which is how I survived a lot of my third year when I wasn't living in the hostel anymore and in the res anymore. It's like the submarine. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly a submarine. Exactly. And it's like just a big ass loaf of bread mm. and a layer of chips, a layer of meat. So the meat is what you usually like negotiate and you're like, you want chicken, you want mix this, you want mm. the things, you want it spicy, you want it not. The layer of meat and then a layer of veggies and then sauces and stuff and then you cover that up and it's huge. My roommate and I used to take us for like a two, three days. Just a big ass sandwich. <laughs> you cut a section of it oh, yeah, and yeah, you have yeah, a big ass yeah. meal and your stomach is swollen for a while and you don't have to cook for, for a minute. You just warm it throughout like the weekend for like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And it was just things like that that were very close to where I lived. There was an actual Taj Mahal halal around the corner from my house, a place called, and I thought it sounded nice. And I thought I'd make a movie about kind of that place but what kind of sinisterism could possibly happen in a place like that which is not necessarily true and looking back I feel like it my visitation of it might not have been all that great I might have been a bit problematic drug stereotypes and whatnot but <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed did you have a problem with it with what the way you're talking is like someone must have approached you like... No, I watched everything. it myself. I watched it myself. So you're not so pr- proud of the content of the content of the movie? Like I'm very self-critical. I'm seeing. I'm very self-critical. So when I watch, when I watch a thing, I'm, I'm mostly trying to figure out how other people watch it as well. When I was watching Taj Mahal, Halal, to be honest... But it was self-referential also because she speaks about herself. Sure. Sure, yeah, yeah. it does. And, but there were things about it that I wish I'd done differently. What would done you have better. done differently? I think I would have characterized it a little bit differently. I would have. Um, what bugged you the most? What bugged me the most? So I felt so we had it. It bugged me that our our like our criminals to some extent mm. were the people of color in the film even if we didn't specify that in the script necessarily mm. that the the main characters would be two white girls mm. but the, the the audition process okay. ended up yielding that because we didn't specify we didn't specify that we want this race of person or that at the time i yeah i think it was also my understanding of of, of you know like identity politics and stuff mm. at the time i just thought you know what let's see who does the things best um. and we'll figure it out and we'll do the things so just keep it open you know and i didn't realize at the time that when you do that and you don't specify you just keep it open um. the people with the most privilege and the most access to information and resources mm. are the ones who are going to turn up the most Trevor Noah talks about that thing where he, when he was starting the Daily Show, mm-hmm. he was making calls looking for writers. 
and most of the people that he found were all these white guys, right? All these white people, really white men. And he was like, where are the, you know, where are the black people? Where are the people of color? Where are the Africans? Where's the, where are the people who reflect my worldview a bit better, a wider worldview a bit better? Mm-hmm. And he found them at some point at some like comedy club. And they were just like, we had no idea this was a thing that was even happening because he hadn't, he hadn't been deliberate enough as well in searching in looking for them yeah you have to try hard when it comes to some of those things yeah okay uh was this your first film real real film set that was super serious mm. your own was it your was. first that it was my i directed a film before in the in the pro in, in the school program in the university yeah. program mm-hmm. but i didn't know what i was doing okay. i didn't know what directing is i didn't know what it means i didn't and Tatmanala was my way of kind of figuring out mm. what does this directing thing even mean? You know, it's just yelling the action and cut and all that. Mm. What does it actually mean? Tatmanala was the first time I made a film understanding what it means to control what people are seeing, to control what people can hear, mm. how the camera moves, what you reveal, what you don't reveal, how the mood changes over time and how you moderate that and make it realistic. It's the first time I understood those things. Mm. And which is why I like to say it was my first film that I it is a great first film. Now let's like move it? to your second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, pregnant woman stabs husband dead. Taka una yali msomesa. Chitufu nyoba haba. Haba somesa vidya. Bari bari ngaba sirikare. Ewaka. Tuari mubutu kampu. Kabere mama kabere ani. Echigambo chichari lo. Lo. ngabwayogeratega <laughs> Ata no malobi kamira munakurira. Mburira. complete shift from Taj Mahal. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm really curious with that transition. Why that story? Mm. Uh, you wrote it? and directed it. Yes. When was this? This was in 2015. That was actually the Last first year. film of yours I watched. Oh yeah? Because I watched it at the short film festival. Oh cool. And you super, you guys super hyped the film. Really? Yeah. You introduction? Yeah. It was, I think it was our first like public screening of the film. Everyone so I think everyone was really excited. I was there. Do <laughs> you know the people I recognized more was the actors actually? The visible, because they're visible. They're the visible people. And you seen them before, I guess. Uh one. Mm. The, the one of the guys. No, two. Even the other guy, the one who was the father. I, I had a beard before. at the time. So See, that's why as as was, was that, it really though? It was it was it <laughs> yeah. covered my collar. This is see? Covered my collar. <laughs> so I remember that I, that was the first film. Yeah. I was I'm curious. Why the story? Mm. The character and making his motivations exactly that. Mm. Why what brought you to come with this story? So I read I read the story in the red paper. I was 
it was a time when I remember I was consciously trying to absorb stories, and I just moved back to Uganda like two months before, mm. and I was actively, consciously trying to absorb stories, and I was reading red paper of like not just the big the. People usually read, I find, the beginning, which is the most explosive like, political stories, mm-hmm. the middle, which is the more like licentious, like, not licentious, but like, like tantalizing sex stuff, and the end, which is maybe sports or whatever, right? Yes. But I started, re- I, was, I was reading, and I saw this really, the story that was called Brain Woman Stabs Husband Dead, and that struck me. First of all, that was the first thing. That was the exact headline. It was a, that was the headline, and it struck me. I thought something about that just told me this is not a terrible. And I read the story, and the story was about this lady who, she, <clears throat> it actually was, it was about this lady whose husband comes home in the one afternoon, he's really drunk, mm. and they get into a fight, they get into an altercation, she was pregnant at the time, they get into an altercation, and the son gets involved in the altercation, and then she, so she'll, he's hitting her, and then her son comes and tries to, like, save her or whatever, and then he turns it back on him. And he starts to beat up her son, and then she finally comes through and stabs him in the thigh, and he bleeds out, he bleeds to death. And the thing that made it stick for me, to be honest, was thinking, what if that's not what happened? Mm. Thinking, there was no one else in the room at the time. Yeah. And if the story actually happened very differently, we have no way of knowing. Mm. So. I started going down that road and trying to figure out what could have, what else could have possibly happened, and how else would, could the story have played out if we didn't know. So, I cre- I became aware of that idea of having the public kind of narrative, what everyone is aware of, mm-hmm. and having the actual narrative, and kind of just playing with that, where people go into the film expecting this to be a film about a lady who stabs her husband, mm-hmm. and that's not what actually ends up happening. And I was trying to see how that would affect how people receive the film. The fact that they have these expectations of what the story is already, because most people hate the title. When they and I tell them what it is, they hate how 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 long it is, how clunky it is. Grammatically, that's not how people even talk. So it's not easy to remember. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And they but think it tells you what the story thing. is. Yeah. But I just thought, you know what? For the fact that it's so ridiculous probably makes it memorable to some extent. Mm. Just even if you don't remember what it is, you remember that there's this movie with this really crazy title I can't remember. Mm. And also, I love the fact that you go in very smug, thinking you know what the story is, mm-hmm. and at the end you're like, "What?" I went the I opposite. I'm like, "No." Did you? So what? Did, so how did that work for you? The knowing, finding, yeah, it can't First be all, this the obvious. Title? The title was like, oh, "That's." Mm. That was my reaction. Yeah. And I even want to ask you, how did you get your boy to be so enthusiastic about that film? I'm not sure. Everyone was just so enthusiastic about that film. I'm not sure. They, they had a vibe really to them. Like I think it. I remember the reaction of your of the, cast, the cast and crew. More than anything. Yeah. They were so enthusiastic. I'm like, this guy must really make them passionate about the project. They seem to, re- they really, they seem to, to, like, to actually like it. I, I guess. can't believe it. Yeah. Oh, which is really inspiring. <laughs> I'm also the wrong person to tell you why why I think people would like the film. I don't think I'm the right person for that. Can I say that I was also surprised at how kind of disturbed I was by the violence and I watch it back now and I realize we (laughs) we don't we, we kind of had weak stomachs on set when it came to executing that part because not only was the violence the least rehearsed, which was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. But also I realized <laughs> I was very uncomfortable making violence happen. 
and I was very surprised by that because I'd never actually I'd never made sim- simulated violence in a film mm. I was like, uncomfortable making it happen making this guy beat his wife and I don't know why, like, I, I could feel it in myself and I was very surprised by that. Mm. But I could see it in him as well. And I still, every time I watch it, the film again, I'm like, you're bad at being a wife beater, which is great for life, you know? <laughs> it's great to know that, to, I guess to some extent, there's something very personal that stopped him accessing that very violent thing. Were, were you making it the alcohol that drove him to it? To some extent, but also... The whole point of the first conversation, at least to me, the whole point of the conversation in the Kafunda with mm-hmm. those other, those three guys was to give you a, an idea of how also being a man and these ideas of what it means to be a man as opposed to in relation to women and in relation to children and how when you're with men, in a way, it creates a... Uh, I don't use the word echo chamber, but it creates a... It creates almost a bubble of delusion, you know? We're like, yeah, look at us, we're men, we have dominance mm-hmm. over all the things, and we do all the things, and we're... And yet they have very real weaknesses. Each of, every one of them has very real weaknesses. And they never really even confront their weaknesses amongst themselves mm-hmm. as men. Mm-hmm. So I felt this guy kind of goes out into the world and he performs this idea of what it means to be a man that's somehow contradictory to even the reality mm-hmm. in the situation where he's still being very entitled to you know to things that he has not made possible in the world so i i felt i felt i didn't i did not want it to be super obvious that he would do it because i feel that's how it actually plays out in life you you hear that someone has gotten into an altercation with their partner uh. they beaten their partner and you're like what i can't believe it i would have never we were having a drink the other day and, and it seemed like such a cool guy it. or i listened to, and they seemed like such a cool person but they've done this really horrendous thing. Where did that even come from? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to bring out more than anything. Is not only how hard it is to see from the get-go, mm-hmm. but also how it interplays with other th- other aspects of corporal punishment was a big one. Yeah, how corporal punishment and domestic violence are kind of. I think they they. What's this thing I'm doing with my hands? They overlap. <laughs> they overlap. Um, quite a bit in ways that we sometimes don't recognize. So, yeah, I didn't want him to look like a white beater. I wanted you to even like him when it starts out and then to see him devolve into the actual piece of shit that he is deep down and not be overly surprised by it, but you are surprised by it. Yeah. How many takes do you usually do? Not enough. But what's the average? Like 15? 5? You know, it really depends. It, it's Sometimes so, you do one take. Yeah. And I find many times at the beginning of the day, we will do more takes. And as we progress throughout we the day, there's less and less until people start to get tired. And then we start to do more takes. Oh. So by the end of the day, we're kind of where we started. You know what? I'd say, I'd say, an, let's say an average of 10, of 10 mm-hmm. takes. Starting out from and it takes just from a particular angle, just trying that thing ten times, mm-hmm. and over time it reduces slowly. People start to get into the groove of it, and they start to oh, become easier I for them to you, you know say. access the character. And mm-hmm. Then when they get tired, yeah. it starts concentration wavers. People get a bit impatient, and then it becomes a bit harder to reach that same level of performance. Was was this your first movie in Uganda after you had come from South Africa? Pregnant woman stabs husband mm-hmm. dead. Yes. 
So how many days did it take you doing pregnant women's stuff as one day? It wasn't consecutive. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't consecutive. But, but altogether I would say we shot four days, a total of four days. Sweet, that's a short time. Then yeah, short how time. about Taj Mahal Halal? Taj Mahal Halal we shot over I'll say four days as well. Mm. We had two no yeah, four days. Because we had one day outside, two days in the shop and one I wouldn't even count the day, it wasn't a full day, but one day at um, Dot's house. Okay. Uh, big question. Yeah. Funding. How did you fund it? Which one? Pregnant Women's Service Husband Day? Yeah. So I've been working for a few months um, at an advertising agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I left, I made Pregnant Women's Service Husband Day. And I had saved to the extent that you can say a person has saved. <laughs> Luckily enough, I'm you very blessed to live with my parents. Uh-huh. No. So what we did was... We had an arrangement where, initially the arrangement was if food and transport are taken care of mm-hmm. and trans- food and transport to rehearsals and everything is taken care of, we are able to, <coughs> we can do the things, right? That's the, the argument that we had. But then I realized at some point, I was having a hard time even getting people to, so for example, if an audition came up, right, and it was a paid audition, so I think. This happened the day before we were first supposed to shoot, and we had to postpone it because many people were like, we heard about the audition, we went for the audition, and we thought it was going to take like two hours, but it never takes two hours. There are lines of people, and it takes the whole day. And we weren't able to get a rehearsal in the day before we were shooting, and I still didn't feel safe about the things, but also I could tell the commitment wasn't really there. Because of no payment? And I, th- I think that was part of it for sure. So... I cancelled the shoot, I started looking for other people to work on the things. Mm. I felt that the waters had been muddied a bit wow. and I felt it would be difficult to get that same commitment from these people again. And I did find some people. Then after a while, some of the original people, we worked it out. But that's when I t- talked to my parents mm-hmm. and I said, okay, so here's the thing. Help me out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I, I thought I was going to manage to do this by myself. And they, they've been telling me, mm. you need to pay these people, you need to pay these people. And I was yeah. like, no, you know, art, love, you know, <laughs> love film, Yeah, art. very funny. <laughs> so when I came back, hat in hand, I was like, actually, I need your help. I need to at least be able to tell these people that there's a certain lump sum that they will be getting for having worked on the film mm. that more than covers their transport, but it's also something to just keep in their pockets as well. And it wasn't much, and it was less than they would get on a professional set mm-hmm. where there's a bigger budget and whatnot. But it made a difference. I could tell you for rehearsals and for getting to set, it definitely made a difference. Wow. Okay, that's good. And estimate how much did it all cost? Altogether? Mm-hmm. Pregnant woman's stabs husband dead cost me out of 4.5 million shillings. That is not a bad figure. It's not the worst. It's not the worst, but it's. I only say it in this way because I thought it would cost much less. But we right. planned good, yeah. So first of all, even just the payment thing, of course, came in and made it cost more. There's also miscellaneous things, you know, the little things that you don't necessarily anticipate, but I think you should anticipate that there are things you won't anticipate. Okay. So that's become the thing that I, I'm kind of learning. Now let's go to Jethro by Jethro. Okay. You can ask for cipher comment to create a for Bokaba and make a pictures, make a pictures to Sangi Wandeva, you just for Vajita and Deva would do. It ain't a single. Sorry, what's your name? Madam, 
my names are called Michael Megapixels Megapictures Chiwanuka. Okay. And the title of the movie you're pitching? Film ya feno bajita toilet time travelers bagende ya mutoi. Kati waloba mafia, ba mafia bano. Is it all in Luganda? Yeah, madam, you're not in Luganda. But the advert clearly said we only wanted stories in English. Uh, madam, I'm sorry, Mr. Chiwanka, there's nothing we can do for you. Huh? There is nothing we can do for you. Did things get easier with Jethro by Jethro? Uh... Since you had gone through those two, and now in Uganda you had gone through, and Jethro by Jethro is set in one place, mm. so I'm really imagining things must have been better. No, it just presented different, a whole different kind of worms, mm. where there's some things that were no longer as much of a concern, uh, no longer as much of an issue. We're lucky enough with Jethro by Jethro that the majority of our actors were younger. But I like the lady you used. Diana, Diana Kamundi. Yes. Yeah, she's from, do you recognize her from the hostel? Yeah, from the hostel and many other things. Other things, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She was so great to work with and she was very professional. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice having her on set as well with that. Because some actors, for example, it was their first time. And it was great to have her on set as well, kind of. You know, having for them to have a colleague who, because, okay, I'm directing mm-hmm. and I'm doing my best to help them get through the things. But another actor is the best person to definitely give them some guidance. On. So, story for Jethro by Jethro. Sure. I'm very sure a couple of things run by me. <laughs> okay. Jethro by Jethro. Okay. Yeah. Let me let me give you what I think is happening. Is mostly with the character that I concentrated on and who you okay. concentrated on because she's the outlier of everyone. Yes. The character Sharon. I can't yes. forget her name. Yes. <laughs> Because she seems to be the only one who's not aware that she's in a film. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I could go the cheap route of a dream sequence, mm. which is the cheapest way to okay. solve any <laughs> plotline. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. If, if, if Anything that doesn't make sense, you can say this be dream was logic. a dream. <laughs> it's dream logic. So you could go with a dream logic. Yeah. Cheapskate. Or, or there was... You, there's no other explanation. Was she... Were they playing her? Mm. Were they scamming her in some way? Why isn't she aware that she's in a film? So this film was, it, it was the kind of it was the kind of film, and I've seen shorts do this thing where they create a a disturbance in the rules of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's this sh- short film, I forget what it's called, about a guy who walks in slow motion, right? Mm-hmm. And the entire world is the only person who walks in slow motion and everyone else is doing the thing and living life and going in regular time but he just walks in slow motion and that creates the problem in the thing and it does the things I didn't realize this while I was writing the script because it was inspired by other things and one thing led to another and it spiraled and I promise you it is only when we were in the middle of making it that I was like that's what's happening this is what it is so here's my theory okay my theory is Sharon's character Sharon Strokanet is only able to perceive the things that are within the frame because the frame is only a, a certain if you think about it you have the frame but there's so many things happening outside of it within mm-hmm. the world right mm-hmm. but she's only able to perceive the things that are happening within the frame mm-hmm. so even when we as film watchers know that in any given situation you're shooting a person sure but there's a room full of people doing things and lighting and booming 
and doing all the things. Mm. Whereas all the other actors, characters who are being actors would aware, be aware of that and perform life as though they're not aware of it but are still aware of it. Mm. And when they call cut, they relax and they do other things and they talk about how the things have been going. She's only aware of what's happening within the frame. So it's only when the director within the frame calls cut and she sees the boom mic coming into the frame and she sees the clapper and the makeup being done and everything. That's when she's like, What's what is this? Where is this coming from? What is going on? What is amiss? But yeah, that, that that's 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 the explanation pretty much is she is someone watched it recently and they put it as though she was in the Truman show. She was being watched and she was being observed the entire time and she just had no idea. Everyone else is being watched and observed as well. She just has no awareness of the fact that that's happening. So there was no sinister, like, plot <laughs> underlying it or whatever. Yeah, um, you're playing with reality, I guess. Mm. But uh, you, it's set up for your next film, did it? We can say that. We can say that. On a maybe basis. On a maybe basis. And by next, you know what, let's not even say next. It made me think about, it gave me an idea that I realized was way too big for me to execute at this point in time. <laughs> ah, that's sad. Toilet time travelers. Ask, um, yes, toilet time travelers is what you sort of set up. Yeah. A f- future film? Possibly. When? F- toilet time travelers? No, not even. Not Next film? Any, like, when will you do a feature film? A feature film? Yeah. Um, so I guess you never really stop learning, but I'm mm-hmm. still in that place where I'm not so sure I can make a 90 minute film Why? as interesting as I can make a 10 15 minute film someone put this really well for me Matt Bish right he, you know Matt Bish no he's a director he, he, he made um, State Research Bureau and I think Battle of the Souls and for a while I think when Battle of the Souls came out people were like you go hood oh my gosh do you remember <laughs> like 10-15 like years ago <laughs> No, like, I need to catch is, up on that. The film industry has begun. This is the renaissance. This is the beginning of the things. And he was he came back from the Netherlands, I think he made it um Battle of the Souls, like an experimental fantasy horror film. And it was it did relatively well at festivals and yeah, so I met him sometime last year and we're talking about the same thing. And he said he I'd been thinking about this as well, but he put it very succinctly in a way that I never would have. He'd compared filmmaking skills, craft or talent to juice concentrate, to like quencher. Was quencher a concentrate? You, yeah. dil- you have to dilute it? You have to dilute it. Compared it to a concentrate where over time you do develop your, you do develop your skill and your concentrate increases, but the length of your film is almost like the size of the glass and or pitcher, so that at a certain point in time it is not easy for a first-time filmmaker to make a potent glass of juice or to make a potent pitcher of juice, you know what I mean? You can make a, maybe a glass and you enjoy it and whatever, but to make a potent pitcher of juice where it's really hard, it's, it's a bit hard to explain, but I just feel I would love for my film, my feature films to be at a certain level that mm. I don't think I'm at yet. I'm not even okay. doing that delusional thing where it's like, oh, I want it to be the best. No, I just <laughs> want it to be watchable, you know, mm. for like 90 straight minutes. And it's, I think I'm getting there. My next film, I couldn't keep it under 15. It's about 30 pages. 
Oh, I can see it going up to about 30 minutes now. The story mm-hmm. just could not be contained within a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that might organically expand into 90 minutes into a feature film. So what's this next film called? It's, I hate saying this because I might change you my might mind. Change it. When I do you, might, uh-huh. what's it called? But I, Working at least title. for now, Ignorance is Bliss or something like that. Okay. When do you plan to shoot and release? Early next year. I plan to shoot early next year uh-huh. and release it in the middle of next year. This has been fun. I have to ask you though. Uh, top five. Are we almost done? Yeah. No. I was enjoying this. I'm doing this so much. Wait, that's good. Also, I feel like I've talked about myself way too much and I'd really like to talk about other things. And that's where we're going. I need, I want to ask you your top five. Wow, I don't have a top five. Um, okay, you have a top what? What's your favorite genre? I'm shaking my head right now. What are your influences? Um, I find they vary and they change. Mm. They change, um, during different periods of time. Right now, the last time I watched a film and I was, and it kind of punched me, not punched me in the gut, but it really like grabbed my attention and made me think about how I make my own films mm. was um, Nicholas Winding Refn's um, Neon Demon. No! Yeah. And only because... No! Yeah. No! Yeah. What did you like about it? How much that did you film? hate it? Tell me. I didn't hate it. it. Yeah. I liked it more than most. Okay. But no. <laughs> so I just watched Drive, Drive right? Drive is way better. Drive is really great. Drive is really great. I, the thing I like about this is it does some things that Drive doesn't do. What and I don't do you see like about as... Neon Demon? So I like the same thing that he did in Drive where I love the way he composes his shots. Uh-huh. I love the way he's able to tell a story with even just one shot within an entire scene. Uh-huh. And I was watching that and I was studying and I was like, okay, this is so cool how in just one camera movement, one slow, deliberate camera movement, uh-huh. you can tell in just a very interesting story and slowly reveal things and people move in and out and I found that really fascinating. I loved how I loved how it was almost more like a music video than a film. Mm-hmm. I loved how visually I feel like they were very unhinged to some extent in the liberties that they took to portray things in a certain way. But I still thought that in some way was a bit more poetic in the sense of, okay, it's the fashion industry and of mm-hmm. course they're very like visually striking images that they use to make things happen but I felt there's so much stuff that they did that was almost surreal in that film that and I also I love the way he, he, he matches that his visual aesthetic with his choice of music which is always, always almost perfect okay. that very like almost European electronic like music vibe and his camera movements and composition completely matches it really well. I was like, man, this is like, this is almost film music. Like, the way it comes together, it's very consistent, it's very coherent. And I hope you can tell most of the things I'm saying about this are aesthetic. Everything you're saying is aesthetic. aesthetic. Nothing has to do with character. Exactly. How about any local influences? Any local influences? So, I. You know what? I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not yet cognizant of. Yeah, actually, he's very much an influence. Um, Isaac Nabwana is a hundred percent an influence. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm developing nice. a story that's like that's so like. That's so Im- nice. Influenced by his work and the, and the stories that I've heard about the way he puts his uh, stories together. Uh, and I feel like it's his is a very extreme but very still <laughs> Ugandan story. I feel like there are so many Ugandan filmmakers who. Kampala's film scene, first of all, is very fractured. Mm. It's very there are lots of people making films, 
many times they're not even aware of each other mm. they're very like distant from each other mm. they're not and um i found there's a the many filmmakers who like isaac are very resourceful mm. they don't use much money mm. they have almost no reverence or regard for film conventions i love it so much I watched Who Killed Captain Alex properly, properly for like the first time because I'd only ever seen the, I'd seen the the trailer uh-huh. and I'd seen the YouTube cut, which is another oh, animal. Say it's, it's another not animal in and of itself. What you're supposed to watch. It's not, but I love it. I you, love that it's it's an English. I think it's an English voiceover you, yes, over a Luganda voiceover Luganda. over. No, it's an English voiceover over a guy speaking Luganda <laughs> with English subtitles, <laughs> and all three of those things different the times when you're watching the film and you're like these are three different films happening concurrently because of the information that i'm getting and i love the idea that his films are possibly even more interesting the stories i've heard these films sound just as exciting to make as to watch you know they sound like just adventures in and of themselves and i haven't met him yet even if that would be just a huge honor but I recently got a couple of his films and I actually watched them and I can say I like him from an informed perspective. Okay, you have been listening to Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon, as they are with Malcolm. Your Twitter handle is that at Malcolm that, guy. Malcolm guy. that Malcolm guy. So follow him on Twitter. Uh, check out his stuff. You have some stuff that's free online, don't you? I see that very hesitant. I do, Taj Mahal One was actually the only film that free. is free online. Yeah. So please don't blame me, alright? The other two I'm trying to do the festival thing. Thanks for listening to Cinema Red Pill. Uh, if you agree or have some feedback for us, uh, just email me at Sharon at cinemaredpill.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>